she done an excellent job, didn't she? Yeah, I mean, that, that's my cousin, Johnny's granddaughter from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm sure that Johnny and Janie back there, you can look at them, they're just glowing. <laughs> just <laughs> proud grandparents, and I, I'm proud of her. She done an excellent job. Uh, I love seeing her. Gracie plays the piano. You've you got to love seeing these young kids that are getting involved and in serving in church and praising their God. Uh, maybe our, the next generation will be better than we are. And that, that's what we hope and pray for. So she did an excellent job. I appreciate her coming up. That can't be easy to do, and she done a phenomenal job. So thank you, Amari, for doing that. I, I really appreciate it. If you have your Bibles, turn with me now to Matthew chapter 23. And we are coming back to this chapter that I know has not been the funnest chapter that we've ever studied. This is the chapter in the Bible on hypocrisy. Everywhere you turn in, in this chapter, you're going to see over and over and over, whoa, 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 whoa. And I'm not talking about what you say when you're trying to get a horse to, to stop. Uh, <laughs> not that I would know anything about that. That's why, that's, that's why I don't ride horses, because I can't get them to stop, even if I say, whoa. Uh, but this is a chapter of, of curse on hypocrites. And Jesus, is, he repeats it eight times, 39 verses. He says, whoa, on hypocrites, those who say they're right and and act one way, and in the inside they're completely wrong. So he's giving woes here to, to hypocrisy. And it's not been fun, it's not been easy, but I think it's something that we all need to hear. And it gets very personal here. That's what makes it hard. It's not just woe on them. He says that. He doesn't say woe unto them. He says woe unto you. So he makes this personal. And, and that's where preaching gets hard, when you take it from them to you. And you start taking the finger and you point it right in the chest of people in church. And that's what he's doing here. He's taking his finger and pointing it into the chest of the most religious people in that time. Maybe in the history of the world. So it's very, very, very personal. So today I want to ask this question because it's personal for all of us. How can you spot a hypocrite? How can you know if somebody is a hypocrite or not? So we're going to, we're going to look at this today and, and we're going to ask ourselves how to spot a hypocrite or how to spot a fake Christian. So let's stand together. We're going to look at verses 25 through 28, and we're going to answer this question today, how to spot a, 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 a hypocrite. So starting there in verse 25, we're just going to cover four verses today, 25 through 28, how to spot a hypocrite. By the time we get done today, you should be able to spot a hypocrite. So starting in verse 25, you'll see at the, at the very beginning there, he says the same thing. He's just repeating it over and over and over. Woe unto you. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, you, ye, all also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. These are some hard verses for us to study today, but it's something for every one of us to examine ourselves with. We need to hear this. I'm going to say it in a few minutes. This is a message, this chapter, not my sermons, but this chapter, is a message that our generation needs to hear. Woe unto you hypocrites. Here's how you can tell I don't want to look at everybody else. I want you to be able to tell if you are how to spot hypocrisy in me. So let's pray together and we'll look at this passage. Father, we thank you for your word. We, we love the glorious parts, the, the parts that talk about what Jesus did for us and the parts that talk about where we're going when we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. We love that stuff. But oftentimes it's, it's easy for us to overlook the hard stuff. And God, this is hard. This is not an easy passage to preach. But it's the next in line, and we're just going to preach it. We don't want to skip anything. We don't want to overlook the hard stuff, because sometimes it's the hard stuff that we need to hear the most. So, God, let us all have ears to hear today what you have for us. Let us hear these words. Let us examine our own hearts and to see if there's any hypocrisy in me. And I mean that in me, and I mean that individually and personally across this room today. Is there any hypocrisy in me? Let us be able to spot it. So help us today, God. By, the, by your Spirit, teach us today. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. 
I'm going to make a shocking statement here at the outset of the sermon, and, and it shouldn't shock us, but it might, because it, uh, you see it a lot in, in our world today. They get shocked. People get shocked by this, and it shouldn't surprise us. The Bible's very clear on this, but here's the shocking statement. There are fake Christians. That, that shouldn't surprise us, but it does. There are hypocritical Christians. There are those who say one thing and, and they may even act it on the outside and look it on the outside. They may believe the right things, go to the right places and do the right things. But in reality, they are phonies. They are fakes. They, they are uh, not the real deal. That, that, that's just the truth of the Bible. It was that way from the beginning. In, in the beginning, you had uh, the very first hypocrite was Cain who killed Abel. He came and brought his religious offering to God and it was full of hypocrisy. It was full of, of, of his life was full of just fakeness and it came out in he killed his brother he was the very first hypocrite and then you have it all throughout the bible and we have it everywhere we look today and the longer you live the more you'll see that the church is full of it it's full of hypocrisy and there are many millions of people in churches today who are fakes that's just the reality and there may be some in here today who's a fake who's a who's a hypocrite who's just playing the game on the outside and inside they're they're lost and the Bible says not only was it that way in the beginning in Genesis, and it was that way throughout the Bible and even in our day to day, but the, the Bible says even in Revelation that there's going to be hypocrisy in the end. That hypocrisy will abound and there will be more of that in the end than there's, there's ever been. So we are surrounded by it. It's one of the, 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 the biggest critiques or criticisms against the church in the world today is, oh, that church is full of hypocrites. Well, I mean, that's no surprise to us. The Bible says that there will be always hypocrisy. So the question that we must ask and we have to get answered is, how can we spot one? How can we know who's a hypocrite and who's not? How can we know the real from the fake or the, 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 uh, the wheat from the, the tares? How can we tell the difference? And, and the answer is, I want to give you the answer today, it's not easy to tell. It's not easy at all to tell. And that's what Jesus is giving us in Matthew 23. It's not easy for us to tell who, and we, we think we're experts at it. As we're studying through hypocrisy, we'll sit there and say, I bet you I know he's a hypocrite. Or that one's a fake. And we hear people pointing fingers at everybody all the time. But it's not easy to spot a hypocrite. I mean, as we look in Matthew 23, the Pharisees looked the part. I mean, they were, again, the most religious people in the history of the world. And they looked the part. They were in the temple. Get this. They said the right things. They believed the right things. They wore the right things. They went to the right places. And they, they did the right things. It's easy to fool other people with hypocrisy. They fooled everybody around them. Nobody suspected that these Pharisees weren't real. So hypocrisy easily fools others. We can easily be fooled by the hypocrisy of every... You, you have no idea who's a hypocrite in here. Now watch this. It, it didn't just fool others. They, they, they had fooled themselves. Jesus called them blind. Get this. The Pharisees didn't know they were hypocrites. It's not like they were going around and, and hiding it. They were convinced that they were the real deal. They were convinced 100% Jesus is wrong and I'm right. Hypocrisy easily fools self. You get those two things? Hypocrisy can fool others, and it does. Hypocrisy fools even ourselves that we could be a hypocrite and have hypocrisy within us and not even know it ourselves. But you know who it doesn't fool? It doesn't fool Jesus. He's the one in Matthew 23 because, again, they didn't know it and, and nobody around them knew it. They, they looked up to these guys and they had everybody fooled, even themselves, and Jesus comes to Matthew 23 and He exposes it. He pulls back the curtain. He, he uh, unmasks it. He takes, I almost titled the sermon today, take your masks off. That'll get a lot of views, right? <laughs> yeah. Everybody be watching. What's Josh going to say about it? And then I, then I turn it on in hypocrisy. I'm going to turn that off. <laughs> I thought he was talking about COVID masks. He takes their masks off. That's what a hypocrite is. They're playing a, a, a role. They're an actor. That's what the word means. That they put a, a mask on and pretend to be one thing on stage and then they go out in their real life. They're completely different than that. They're playing a role. And Jesus here unmasks them and, and reveals their, their hypocrisy. And, and, and I think in, in these verses here, more than any of the other verses in this chapter, He's going to show us how we can spot it. He, he, reve he reveals it and, and exposes it and lets them see it and, and He lets everybody else see it. It's almost like a... <laughs> I don't want to say this, but I'm going to. It's almost like an episode of Scooby-Doo. 
You know, it's a hymn that you go through all those things and you wonder who the... I got five kids, I watch a lot of cartoons. And you go to all the way to the end and you're wondering who did it. And, and in front of the large crowd, you have Velma takes off the mask. And everybody's like, oh! I would have got away with it if it wasn't for dog and those kids. And that's what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 23. He's taking their masks off so that all those around them can see these guys are the fakes. These guys are the phonies. These guys are, are pretenders as they take the masks off. And all the crowd is going to do, we never had any idea that they were hypocrites. They were fake all along. And He doesn't just reveal it for the crowd. He reveals it for the one who had the mask on and didn't even know it. Then when He takes their mask off, they'll say, I didn't even know it. I had myself fooled. And today he might be doing that in here. He's taking the mask off somebody here who had no idea that all along you were a fake Christian. You were a hypocrite. You were a pretender. You were a phony. So we need to hear this. If I've got hypocrisy in me, if I'm fake in any way at all, I need Jesus to unmask me so I can get it right. And you need that. So every one of us here today needs to listen to this, whether you like it or not. And all of us here need to consider this. All of us need to think about this. All of us need to look deeply at ourselves and ask that question, how can I not get this? Because I think when you hear that title, How to Spot Hypocrisy, you think, I'm going to spot it in this guy, and I'm going to spot it in this guy, and I'm going to spot it in, in my family member, and I'm going to spot it in, in somebody out there. But what we're doing today is not spotting hypocrisy everywhere else. We're spotting it in us. Do I have it in me? Is there any bit of phoniness in me? So that's what we're going to look at today. And I want us to, and we'll find that we're not looking for hypocrisy on the outside. We're looking for it on the inside. Deep down within us. So let's look at these verses. And I've just got two points for you this morning. How to spot a hypocrite. And I want to show you, first of all, the appearance of a hypocrite. What they look like. What does a hypocrite look like and we're going to see that in verse 25 he's going to give us what the the appearance you can even see the word there in verse 28 where he says even so also outwardly they appear there's there's an appearance to a hypocrite there's a, a look to a hypocrite so we're going to ask that what does a hypocrite look like so we can spot one right we want to we want to see what one looks like and it says in verse 25 Woe unto you scribes pharisees you hypocrites you you fakes you you pretenders you you phonies for here's what you look like. You make clean the outside of the cup and the plate. So on the outside, it says there, and you need to pay attention to this, verse 25, he says, hypocrites are clean on the outside. That they, and that's what they would do then. They want to make sure they didn't have anything dirty uh, as they were cleaning their, their, their utensils, or whether it be a cup or a plate, and they were spending a lot of time thorough cleaning on the outside of the cup. They were making sure that the outside, the facade, what everybody sees was very, very, very clean. Spotless. Looks clean. Appears to be clean. Very clean life. From a distance, you couldn't see anything. You, from a distance, you'd see a, a clean life. And you'd say, that guy's got it right. Or, or that woman's doing it well. She's got clean living and doing everything she's supposed to do on the outside very clean. Moral, upstanding, clean living. Verse 27, go down with me. So first of all, they look clean. Second, woe unto you scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like a wadded sepulcher, which indeed appears beautiful on the outside. So again, I'm giving you characteristics of a hypocrite. They're clean on the outside, and they are beautiful on the outside. It says they're like a tomb. Which would be, you know, again, they're, they're, it would be whether it's a, a tomb like Jesus was in, or a, and they would put them back into a cave, and they they would clean it. You know how people do if somebody dies. You you go and you you clean it, and you put flowers around it, and you do everything you can to make sure it's 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 a, a memorial to the person who lived that life, and you want it to be beautiful. You you get all the weeds up around it, and and you want it to people to go there and say, oh look how beautiful that tomb is. And they would do that then. They they would make it sparkle. It was white. It was like they would pressure wash that thing and make it as white as it could be. So that when people would come, they'd say, look how that sparkles in the sun. Look how beautiful that monument is. So again, I'm giving you characteristics of a hypocrite. 
Number one, clean on the outside. Number two, beautiful on the outside. Number three, verse 28. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous. So you're following with me. Clean, beautiful, righteous. So what does it mean to be righteous? These people followed all the rules. They were following the rituals. They were doing the the moral things. They were well behaved. They were the kid in school that never got in trouble. And and they'd send back a conduct grade. And it was A every single time. And where were they on Sunday, on on Saturday, Sabbath? They were in the temple. They were reading their their scrolls and, and doing everything as it should be done. They were clean cut. I mean, they were just doing everything as it should be done. So outwardly, get this, a hypocrite looks like clean, beautiful, Righteous. So what does a hypocrite look like? Just like you and me sitting here today. You with me? Just like us. The most religious people in the world. Think about it. They, we believe the right things. I think everybody here has, that's saved. We, we believe in, in, in Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross and that He was buried and that He rose again on the third day. We believe that it's by faith that we're saved and, and that it's only a gracious thing that, that God can do for us. We believe the, the right things. We, we open our Bibles. We were baptized. We go to church. We carry these things. We take notes. We dress up. We sing songs. We, we, we go through all these religious motions. We, we give an offering in our jar back there. We're not ashamed. We'll post on Facebook. If you're not ashamed, post this. Post that. I'm posting it. I'm not ashamed. Everybody else in the culture is ashamed and and they're falling away. But not me. We look the part. We think the part. We're just like them on the outside. I mean, look at us. We all look great today. Clean, beautiful, right. But, watch this. I took a pen Encircled but on all three of these verses. Verse 25. You make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but. Verse 27. You're like a whited sepulcher, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but. Verse 28. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but. There's something wrong. Clean, beautiful, right on the outside. But. You say, but what? You can't spot a hypocrite by looking on the outside of people. Easy to fool people like that. You say, what's the but? Watch this. Here's the inner reality of a hypocrite. What we don't see. Verse 25. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. You make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside you're full of extortion and excess. You say, what does that mean? They worked so hard to make sure that the outside was clean, but they left dirt and grime on the inside and never even touched it. It's like when my kids wash the dishes. You better double check that they washed it. Because you might not want to use that cup next time if the kids washed it. All they want to do is make sure. You go wash the dishes, kids. Okay. And they go in there and they're whistling while they work, you know, washing those dishes. And, and they're sitting there and all, all they think dad and mom's going to see is the outside. They'll take it and they'll put it up in the cabinet. And you look at it and you think, boy, that coffee cup looks real clean. I'm going to use that. And I take it and I'm going to pour me some coffee in it. And, and all of a sudden there's oatmeal floating around on top of it. And it's ruined a good cup of coffee. You're not going to drink that. I mean, you might. If you're desperate, you might. <laughs> not that I've ever done that. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's still coffee. <laughs> the closer you get, the dirtier it is. It says it's dirty on the inside. There's a lot of people like that. They look good in church on Sunday. And everybody in here looks around and says, oh man, look at them. Look how great they look. Look at you guys. You're you're clean, you're beautiful, you're righteous. The world looks at us like that clean, beautiful, righteous. Look at all of us. But the closer you get, and usually your wife can tell that and your kids can tell that, that as they get closer to you, they start to see all kinds of dirt on the inside. What kind of dirt did it say they saw on the inside? Look, watch with me. So clean, beautiful, right on the outside. But watch this dirty on the inside. You're full of, and here's the dirt. Extortion and excess. I mean, this is, this is, these, these, these two things are, are nasty. I mean, it's disgusting what's on the inside of them. Inside, they are full of, of nastiness. It says extortion, which means to take advantage of other people. 
That's what that means. And it goes back to them in verse 14 of devouring the widows and taking their money and their property and their things and making waste of them and taking things. They're in it for themselves, not in it for other people. Acts 8, a hypocrite named Simon the Magician. I want the Holy Spirit so I can make money off of it. Hypocrite. Luke 15, the son who, who didn't, what wasn't the prodigal son, he came back and, and they gave him the party and the ring and the fatted calf and all those things. And the other son said, you never gave me all those things. Hypocrite. In it for the money. In it for themselves. They're full of extortion. They're full of excess. Which means no self-control at all. Now they can control themselves in here and how they look, but when they go out there, they can't control themselves. Dirty. Inside dirty. We need to look at ourselves. Clean, beautiful, right. Then he says in verse 25, dirty on the inside. Look at verse 27. He gives us another definition of them on the inside. And, you, and I wrote these down in my Bible. Watch this, the next one. He says, for you are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but inside you're full of Death. So they're dirty on the inside and they're dead on the inside. That's what it says there. And this is a, a graphic image that he gives here of you know that on the outside of that tomb it, it looks beautiful and it has flowers like there's, like there's life there and, it, and it's white and it's sparkling and it's a, a monument. And the closer you get, the more you realize that down deep on the inside of that tomb is nothing but deadness. Dirty on the inside. Dead on the inside. On the inside they stink and they're foul and they're, they're nasty and they have all kinds of uncleanness, it says. All kinds of unclean things. And in verse 28, let me give you another description of the inside. Again, on the outside, clean, beautiful, righteous. On the inside, dirty, dead, and deceived. Look what it says in verse 28. Even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy. Which means they've even got themselves fooled and they don't even know it. Deception on the inside. Dirt, death, and deception on the inside. That's what a hypocrite looks like. On the outside, clean, beautiful, righteous. On the inside, dirty, dead, and deceived. How bad was it? At that moment when Jesus is preaching this, they're in the temple, they're dressed up, they're, it's the Holy Week, they're going through all the motions and all the rituals and all the routine and all the, the religion, they're doing exactly as they should be doing, but on the inside, they're plotting to kill Jesus, the Son of God. That's how dirty, dead, and deceived they were. On the outside, everybody says, oh, they're, they're clean, beautiful, and right, but on the inside, they're murderous. They look great on the outside with all the religious activity, but in their heart, they didn't do what Jesus said was the most important thing, which is love the Lord thy God with all their heart, soul, and mind. They missed the main thing. And the inside was wrong. So the answer to how to spot a hypocrite is, and, and you need to get this, is don't look on the outside. That, that's the answer that he gives here, because outside can be deceiving. It's said that looks can be deceiving. That's the same thing with fake Christians. You can't look on the outside because you can easily deceive somebody. It's been said, I've got several quotes here. Looks can be deceiving. Don't judge a book by its cover. All that glitters is not gold. Can't judge a people by the steeple. That was mine. I added that one. <laughs> Pretty good. You can't judge a people by being in a church underneath a steeple. It's not on the outside. Like you can't judge an Arby's sandwich by its commercial <laughs> we have the meat i mean yeah it looks good but when you get it it's not very good <laughs> looks can be deceiving you can easily deceive somebody with the outside so we don't look for hypocrisy on the outside the outside's too easy i mean that is easy for us to do anybody can clean up the outside of their lives anybody can dress up and look like a churchgoer anybody can get up and set their alarm for 9 a.m. And, and be at church at 11 a.m. any lost man can do that 
I mean, it's easy to clean ourselves up. It's easy for me to carry my Bible to church. It's easy for me to sing when we all get to heaven. It's easy for me to do these things. Anybody can do that. That's just easy stuff. Anybody can play church, get religion, learn the lingo. Brother, sister, praise the Lord. Anybody can do that. Anybody can show up for services. Anybody can whitewash the outside of their lives. Anybody can get moralism when they start doing pretty good and, and obeying the golden rule and not hurting people, not killing people. It's easy not to murder. It's hard not to hate. You, you with me? That's easy. On the outside, I'm not, I'm not tempted to, to murder anybody. Anybody can do that. But boy, it's hard not to hate people. It's easy not to commit adultery. Some people act like it's the hardest thing in the world not to, to do. It's easy not to do that. It's hard not to lust. You with me? These outside things are easy to do. And, and it's easy, again, it's, it's so easy to come to church and sit in a pew, sing, give a couple bucks in the offering, and say, good job, preacher. That's easy. Some people make it out to be the hardest thing in the world. Just going through the motions is easy. Anybody could do it. Caveman could do it. Watch too many commercials. <laughs> it's easy to do just a little bit better. It's easy to modify your behavior. It's easy just to follow the rules. It's easy to keep your hair cut. You know, it's easy to dress the part. It, it's easy not to cuss. <laughs> Those are easy things. Anybody can fix the outside. But that's not Christianity. That's hypocrisy. So what do we need? It's not the outside. Every other religion is about the outside. Islam, about the outside. You better behave yourself. You better be 51% good because if, if you're 51% bad, you'll go to hell. So you better walk, walk that line. Every other religion is about the outside, the facade, the, the superficial, the easy things. That's hypocrisy. Christianity is not about the outside. The answer is on the inside. And that's the second point. And we're going to get done quick today. Two points. We don't look at the outside. That's the appearance. So we gave you the appearance. Now let me give you the answer. And the answer is look on the inside. And this is my, this, this is, I love this. Look what he says in verse 26. He says, thou blind Pharisee, you don't even see it yourselves. You are spiritually blind to your own condition. Do you realize there's people, maybe even in this room today, who are spiritually blind to their own condition? You're blind. And he says this, I'm trying to open your eyes to the truth here. So he says here, you blind Pharisee, here's what you have to do. Here's the answer. Here's the answer to hypocrisy. We've seen the appearance, appearance on the outside. That's no good. We need the answer, which is on the inside. Here's what he says. I love this. Clean first. You see that? Underline first. Clean first that which is within the cup and the platter. It's like he's looking back at my kids saying, here, go clean this again. And this time, clean the inside first and then work around to the outside. Get to the inside. Get down deep into the heart of man. I want to repeat this several times. Christianity is the only religion that gets to the heart. The only religion that gets to the heart. True religion is a religion of the heart, and the only religion that gets to the heart is Christianity. Because only Jesus can cleanse the inside of our hearts. And that's what he says here. Clean the inside first, which is the entire inner person. It's who I am on the inside. Who I am on the outside is just a facade. The real me is deep down. And Jesus says, clean down there first. I love that. Clean your old, dirty, dead, deceptive heart. Clean your filthy, wicked, evil heart. Everybody here has a heart problem. And Jesus says, clean the heart first. Take care of the inside first. So he gives us something we can't do. You with me? I can easily clean the outside of my life. I can get resolutions on New Year's and say, I'm going to do this better. 
I'm going to read some more books. And I'm going, to, I'm going to learn some things. And I'm going to be in church three times a week. And I'm going to tithe a little bit more. I'm going to go from 10% to 11%. And I can do all these things. And I can, I can buy new tithes. And you guys can be really impressed with my tithes. And we can get all the outside things right. But here he gives us, and it's easy for anybody to do it. It's so easy. Again, a lost man can clean the outside of their life. There's a lot of people who come to church and get religion and try to clean up their lives and they never deal with the inside. So he says here, clean the inside. You say, how in the world can I clean the inside of the cup? We can't do it. It's impossible. We can superficially clean the outside, but only God can supernaturally clean the inside. That's the truth we need to hear. Only God can can supernaturally clean the inside. Only God can do that. That's a a work that only God can do. Let me give you an illustration of this. When I was living in Pound as a youth pastor, we woke up one Sunday morning, me and Steph and two kids. That was a long time ago. We go downstairs to the basement. It had rained all night long. Our basement's flooded. It's up to to halfway up our calf. And we're thinking, okay, it just seeped into our our house through the night. And and we'll go to church and we'll come back and and we'll clean it up. So we did. Went to church. We we, we went through all the motions of church. Did those things. Come back. Sent our kids to my mom's house. They loved it. Me and Steph got some shop vacs and we went down there in the basement. And we, we started cleaning. We started vacuuming. We had a good old time. We were splashing each other, you know. It just... Like kids again. And the more we cleaned, the more we realized it wasn't rainwater, it was sewer water. <laughs> Splashing around. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we couldn't clean up that mess. You had to have somebody professional come in and do a complete, complete destruction of the room. I said, we can do it. That costs too much. You can't get as deep a clean as we can get. There's no way you can do that. There's, there's no, there's no uh, Lysol that you can buy. There's no Clorox that you can get. There's no vacuum that does what we do. And this guy came out and he ripped the walls down. And he, he put plastic up. And he had machines here and, and machines there. And he came back after a week and he put a little measuring thing down on the ground. And he said, I'm going to detect and see if there's anything there. Anything left. And he put it down on the ground and he, and he started to, to beep. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, beep. Come a 100% clean. Place is clean, spotless. And I've used that illustration three or four times. And not just to make fun of me and staff for splashing each other. It's one of the dumbest things we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> but in that moment, even as I was probably 26 years old, I thought he did something that nobody else could do. And I thought, God did something on the inside of me that I couldn't have done. He did a work, and He didn't just fix my heart. He gave me a brand new heart. He took out that. I want to say this. He took out my... That's the work that only God can do. He took out my dirty, my dead, my deceived heart. He took out my filthy, my wicked, and my evil heart. And that's what's called the new birth. That's what happens at conversion. And we don't talk about that enough. We don't emphasize that enough. That in order to be saved, God has to do something miraculous. It's not just that you do something to make yourself clean. We can't do it. Only God can do that. That's John 3. The Spirit comes in and gives me new life where there was death. Gives me a new heart. He doesn't do heart surgery. He does heart replacement. Ezekiel 36, listen to this. I want to read it slow. I want it to seep in like that sewer water seeped into my carpet. (laughs) Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you. From all filthiness and from idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the old heart of stone from your flesh. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. That's what he does. And moralism and behavior modification and cleaning the outside cannot touch the inside. 
Only a supernatural work of God at conversion can give me a new heart. Where he takes out again that old, filthy, wicked heart that did nothing but beat for sin. Before I was saved, my heart was beating for sin. And he throws that old heart away and he gives me a new heart. New on the inside. Clean, pure, soft, and alive that doesn't beat for sin, but beats for him. That loves him, Matthew 22. That can now fight not only the murderous outside, but the hating inside. And the adultery outside and the lusting on the inside. Down deep inside. That's the problem of hypocrisy. They've never been cleaned on the inside. And churches today that are preaching, follow this, do this, and cleaning the outside of the cup, and not preaching the gospel, which is the only way that anybody will ever be saved on the inside. That's why we're creating a generation of hypocrites. That is the difference between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Christianity goes deep into the heart, and every other religion just concerns themselves with the facade, the outside of man. Muslims can't change the heart. They don't have the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ. They can't do nothing on the inside. Hindus can't do nothing on the inside. That's why you have to keep them in line. Do this, do this, do this. Every other religion is a religion of do. And we've got a religion of already done for us. We preach that and it comes to the inside. It changes us on the inside. All other religions deal with externals and behavior and morals and try harder and do better. But a true religion is a religion of the heart and only Christianity gets to the heart. We don't try to paint the outside we know that Jesus changes the inside and then watch this we don't want to miss this now watch what he says in verse 26 clean first which means there's a second if I only had one point in a sermon I wouldn't say okay first point I would say okay only one point this is it when I say first point you automatically say oh Josh that's two so he says, do this first, which means there will be a, a second. So, and we do this sometimes. There's some people that only do the second, and it's all behavior, and it's all, it's all doing the right things. And there's some people that only focus on the first one, clean the inside. Who cares about the outside? But Jesus says, do one first, but don't forget the second. Do, do this first, focus on the inside first, because you want to clean the inside of the cup. But also, when I drink my coffee, I want the outside to be clean too. So watch what he says. Do this first, clean inside first, the inside of the cup and, and, and the plate, and then the outside will be clean also. He doesn't say clean the outside, he says then it'll be clean also. Then you won't have to worry about all these rules and, and regulations. It'll automatically happen that you start to live clean. Well, watch what it says. When the inside's clean, the Bible says out of the heart flows all things. So when we get it clean on the inside, as goes the heart, so goes everything else. The heart is the rudder that controls the ship. You get the heart right, the ship will go in the right direction. The heart is the root that determines the fruit of our lives. You get the root right, you'll start to show fruit. I've got one more. The heart is character that changes our conduct. You don't get those things backwards. Christianity is a change from the inside out. And if you want to see hypocrites saved... Preach regeneration that you must be born again. That's what George Whitfield went around throughout, throughout the, the early colonies in America preaching because they were a bunch of religious hypocrites going through the motions and he'd stand up in churches and say, you must be born again. They'd say, why do you keep preaching that? He'd say, because you must be born again. You have to be changed from the inside out. And it shows that many, many don't get this. Understand me. Yes, you get a new heart. A pure heart. But it ain't a perfect heart. We're not perfect yet. I've I, I got a quote from Paul Washer that says, The mark of a true believer is not sinless perfection. 
but a new hatred for sin. A greater sensitivity to sin. A more vehement zeal to fight against sin. A humble contrition because of sin. And a willingness to confess sin. You're not a hypocrite if you struggle with sin. Hypocrites don't struggle with sin. They don't fight sin. True Christians have a new heart. And with that new heart gives them a new desire to fight against sin. And that's what he says here. When you get that new heart and you're clean on the inside, you're going to want to be clean on the outside. And honestly, we all struggle. We all should fight against sin every single day. That's why we still need Jesus all the time. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Johnny said in Sunday school, that should get a resounding amen across the room. We're not perfect. I was waiting on it. I didn't get it. I've got a couple. Preacher ain't perfect. Preacher's wife is as close to perfect as I've found yet, but she ain't perfect. So what do we do? The inside's clean. What do we do with the outside? We fight daily. We want to be clean on the outside too. I'm going to give you a list here. You guys ready for this? I want to give you a list to help you live clean on the outside. The Bible has given us, God has given us a way to fight against sin. He's given us a new heart, which gives us new desires. If you, if you don't have that desire to fight against sin, then you might not have a new heart. So He's given us this new heart, this pure heart that, 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 that hates sin and, and loves righteousness and wants to do right, and it, it's right down here. So I want to be right from the top of my head down to the bottom of my toes. I want to live a beautiful, clean, righteous life. And now we've been given the capability to do that. How can we do that? Let me, let me give you five points. <laughs> I tricked you guys. <laughs> you thought I was going to do two. Turns into seven. And you need to write these things down. I got these things years ago, and I keep them in front of me. I had a professor that gave me these five things on how to fight sin, how to live clean. Number one, you need to wash in the Word. The Bible says we are sanctified by the truth and cleansed by the Word. Which means that the more we're reading the Word, being taught the Word, being, sitting under the preaching of the Word, the more clean our lives will become. Every time you step into this church and hear a sermon or come to Sunday school and hear a lesson, or open your Bible and you study it, the Bible is washing you clean of the sin in your lives. Sanctifying you, setting you apart to live a clean and pure life. The less you're in the Word, the less clean you'll be. The more you're in the Word, the more clean you'll be. Jesus said it, John 17, Sanctify us with your truth, your Word is truth. Is that not what a sermon does? You come to church, you learn. You come to church and you hear. But the ultimate goal of learning isn't to have more knowledge. It's to be more like Christ. And every time you hear something and, and people say that, oh, you stepped on my toes today. Well, good. Then maybe you go outside and live a little bit better now. Let me, let me be more clean. And you ought to want to do that. That, that you want to live for Christ in a, in a greater way and to, and to look more like Him. So that's number one, wash in the Word. Number two, confess your sins. That should be a daily thing. I'm going to tell on one of my boys. I won't tell you which one it is. He thinks he only needs to brush his teeth once or twice a week. And I'll go, and we'll say, did you brush your teeth today? No, I, I, mean, I did that Monday, Dad. Today's Saturday. <laughs> you might need to do that, not just once a day, but, but twice a day. I didn't say which boy it was. Quit pointing fingers at him. You might want to do it once a day. You might want to do it twice a day. You know why? Because, and I'm just talk, talking about brushing teeth here, because, and I, I tell him this, we have this argument back and forth. Dad, why? Okay, you want to know why? I've got seven points. <laughs> Number one, Dad said so. You know, that's all that matters. Number two, you eat every day, don't you? Yeah, Dad, I eat five or six, seven, ten times a day. Well, you're going to get your teeth dirty, right? Yeah, right, I am. Well, there's, there's point number two. You need to brush your teeth every day because you eat every day. I won't go through the rest of the sermon. By point five, he just gives up and goes to the bathroom and brushes his teeth. I don't want to hear no more dad. We sin daily, right? Do you sin every day? Ain't none of us perfect. We've already said that. Two people said amen to it. You sin daily? Confess daily. 
I'm clean on the inside, but the outside of me gets dirty, living in a dirty world with dirty influences. So every single day, and sometimes, multiple times a day, I know that I've sinned and fallen short of the, of the glory of God. So I'll stop in that moment and I'll say, God, forgive me for that thought. Forgive me for that desire. Forgive me, I should have done that, but I didn't do that. I, I didn't want to do that. I did it. I'm sorry, God, please forgive me. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Confess your sins. And then when I get home and I go to bed at night, I'll say, God, I'm pretty sure I did things that I don't even remember today. So for the things I can't remember, and I did wrong, please forgive me for all of it. And then I go to sleep and sleep like a baby. So wash in the Word, confess your sins. Number three, walk in the Spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So I'm going to pray daily, God, by the power of your Spirit, convict me where I do things that are wrong. And the Holy Spirit within you that God has given you in the new birth will, will put His finger on the live nerve of your life and will, will convict you of the things you do wrong. And we want that. We need to feel the weight of our sin when we do something wrong. When we watch something wrong, the Holy Spirit needs to be pushing down on that live nerve saying, wrong! We want that! When we say something, we go gossiping or, or slandering around. That's wrong! And you feel that. I want the Spirit convicting me. And when we say no to the Spirit, we, we begin to become hardened into our hearts. Number four. I told you I was going to get you guys out of here early today. Again, I had my fingers crossed behind my back when I said that. Guard your heart. Michael Johnny told me this when he, I think he repeats it to me all the time. He'll call me on Tuesdays. He'll say, Josh, guard your heart. The Bible says, keep it with all diligence for out of the heart are all the issues of life. You say, what do you mean by that? I mean, don't play with fire. I, that, that means, and when I say heart, again, on the inside, be careful little eye what you see. Be careful little ear what you hear. You've got garbage coming in. You'll have garbage going out. A lot of times our lives are dirty because of what we're letting in our lives. People will say, oh, I can watch that and it not hurt me. I don't know that you can. I can listen to that and it not hurt me. I don't know that you can. You need to be very careful what your eyes see and what your ears hear and what comes into your mind and what you're taught. I'm seeing it more and more because Facebook is so prevalent and I love that they let us preach on Facebook, and they may not let us do it long, but there, there's all. It's good to have Facebook preaching, but when they when you start seeing every preacher out there that's filling filling Facebook with all kinds of bad ideas, and people are watching it, saying, "Well, I'm gonna I, I, I can get something good out of that." You better be very, very, very careful. Yeah. So number four is guard your heart. What you read, what you hear, what you watch. A lot of dirty lives because a lot of dirty things are being seen and heard. You say, Josh, you're overprotective of your kids. No, I don't want that garbage coming into my kids' minds. Amen. I wish it never come into my mind, and I don't want it in their minds. So there's no problem with me fast-forwarding through some things on TV or turning that off. Amen. Number five. This is my favorite one. Run with the righteous. The Bible says bad company corrupts good morals. And the downfall of a lot of Christian lives is who they hang out with. You tell me who your friends are today and I'll tell you who you're going to be tomorrow. I think that's why it's good to find you a good church. I mean that. You've got a good church with good people who are uh, changed on the inside and it's not hypocrisy, which hypocrisy can spread in the church and we don't want that. But you've got a church that's living it inside out that's preaching it like it ought to be preached and telling it like it is doing things the right way just being in that church will make you want to live a righteous life yeah. i've done that i, I when i when i pick seminaries i say i, I want to be around the, the the godliest man that i can find 
Wherever the godly man is, I want to be where he is. I want to be, I want to be listening to him. I want to be right behind him. I want to be on his, on his footsteps and I want to be doing what he's doing. I, I want that to influence me. I want that. And I tell my boys that. You don't need to be hanging around with guys who are going to pull you off in the wrong direction. Follow a righteous man. Don't let your heroes be some ungodly athlete. Let your heroes be a godly man. That's what we need, boys. Find you a godly man and say, I want to follow that man. Run with somebody who's righteous. I want my boys to say, my dad's my hero. Women, same thing. Find you a godly woman. Rub shoulders with her. Godly mother. Godly wife. I want to be around you. Surround yourself with that. Women, marry a godly man. Men, marry godly women. How many times have you seen that? Where you marry somebody or date somebody who's ungodly and it's not always, well, I'm going to try, I'm going to, try to win them over. Evangelism dating. That's not in the Bible. Amen. I'll get them to church. <laughs> yeah. More than likely they'll get you out of church. You lay down with a dog, you're going to wake up with... There you go. See, somebody's with me. <laughs> That's right, right? Be careful who you hang out with. Run with the righteous. Find you a good man. Men, find, find good men to listen to. Find good men to, that'll, that'll mentor you and, and lead you in the right way. Find a man who, who's a, a good husband and a, and a good father and say, I want to be like that. And I'll say this, and I, and I know this may not pertain to a lot of you, but there's too many people that's following, even in Christianity, men 2,000 miles away. It's okay, listen to them. But you need a man in your life right now, here today. Preaching a little bit. Because that's what real Christian is. Real Christian wants nothing more and nothing less than to be more like Christ. So find you somebody who is pursuing Christ and you follow Him. Paul said that, follow me as I follow Christ. If he ever stops following Christ, I'll stop following him. That's our heartbeat. A pure, more holy, more Christ-like life. That's our heartbeat. That's the heartbeat of a real Christian, not a fake Christian. A fake Christian just wants to come to church on Sunday and get it over with. Just dress up, do the part, play the game, say the, say the, say the words and have the lingo and just, just go through the motions and do things and, and follow the rules and everybody's going to think I'm okay. I've got everybody fooled. I'm fooled. My family's fooled. Everybody's fooled. And I just want to go through the motions and don't upset the apple cart. Just keep it going and never hear anything about exposing myself, taking off the mask and, and, and seeing who I really am. Hypocrites don't want none of that. But true Christians say, let's get to the bottom of this and get it right because I want to be like Christ. That's what we want. That's what we're after. That's what I'm after as a, as a pastor. I, I want to see people, Paul said it, until Christ be formed in you. I want to see you more like Christ. I'm not in this for me. We're in it for you so that you can be more like Jesus Christ every day. The more we're like Christ, the more the world sees not just an outer facade, they see the real deal. Amen. So back to our question. How can you spot a hypocrite? The easiest way, and I'm going to give you the answer now. I've been waiting for it. You can write this down. Take a little note. As a reminder, just in case you didn't know. How do you spot a hypocrite? The easiest way is to look at your own heart. He said, Josh, you spent an hour to get to that. Look down deep inside of you. And ask yourself a question, am I the real deal? Has my heart been changed? Do I have a new heart? That's how you spot a hypocrite. We need to be going around like this right here, pointing for hypocrite, 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 hypocrite. 
we've been preaching this, and me and Steph and the kids have been going around the house. That's all we do. We do, do something wrong, say something wrong. Grace, you'll look at me and say, Dad, you're a hypocrite. <laughs> she, does, she does it. I was asking, Dad, you're a hypocrite. I've not called Steph a hypocrite yet, but we'll get there. We're going to... <laughs> But we do that, it's just a funny way of doing things. But it shouldn't be finger like this, it should be finger like this. Where am I seeing hypocrisy in me? I want to be the real deal. I want to be the real deal. So if you want to spot hypocrisy today, when we pray right now, you, you need to ask God, am I the real deal? Have you changed my heart? I don't want to just, just a religious facade. I don't want just to clean the outside of the cup. I don't want just a wadded sepulcher. I don't want to just look beautiful and clean and righteous on the outside. I want the real deal on the inside. And right now in church today, and I, I believe this is something that we need to do as we pray together today, it needs to be back to the prayer that we started on this about five weeks ago. A John Flavel quote that says, Oh, for a better heart. Oh, for a heart to love God more. Oh, for a heart to hate sin and to walk more evenly and honestly, with my God, that needs to be the prayer across this room today. And can you imagine if we truly, honestly, openly said that today in this room, every single one of us, I mean, just honestly, from the depths of our heart, we, we cried out, Go oh God for a better heart. Oh God for a heart to love you more and to hate sin more. You know what we'd have in this room today? We'd have a room full of people who are not hypocrites, fake Christians, who are pretenders. We'd have a room full of real, honest Christians. And that kind of church is the church God wants and the kind of church the world needs. That's what we need here. So may we be honest with ourselves today and take off the mask, expose any hypocrisy in our hearts. And as we're praying right now, just around the room, I pray that the Spirit of God, John 3, is something that we can't control, we can't bottle up, he is. But I pray that the Spirit of God is moving across the room today and changing hearts from the inside out. So let's pray this prayer and we'll close. Father, as we bow before you this morning, we have one prayer. And I know I didn't give an altar call and I didn't, didn't ask people to, to believe in Christ and be saved. Because I think the, the focus of this passage today is on the hearts of people who say they're believers. So God, across this room, and there's a good crowd here today, probably a hundred people in this room, and all of us are religious, all of us look good on the outside, but God, let us see the inside, the real us, who we are down deep, where it matters and where you see. Man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God, let us see that. Don't let us fool ourselves. Let us examine ourselves and see if we're truly in the faith, to see if we're real. And I pray that, and I, I hope around the room people are praying with me, and I mean this for myself. God, give me a better heart. Oh, for a heart to love you more. Oh, for a heart to hate sin. Oh, for a heart to walk more evenly and honestly with you, our God. Let us here today, let me here today, now this is personal, let me today be the honest to goodness real Christian. Let that be me. And I pray that others are joining me in this prayer around the room. Let me be the real deal. And God, if there's anybody in here, we'll go there, that's an unbeliever, that you by your spirit today John 3, would move in our midst, work in their hearts, and that today, for the first time, they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And I believe if they do that today, you will instantly, powerfully, and completely change them from the inside out. But they don't need to get religion. They don't need to get good morals or behavior modification. They just need Jesus. And I pray that they would call upon him and be saved. And again, God, 
Like David said in Psalm 51, create in us a clean heart and renew the right spirit within us. May we be the real deal. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.